welcome to the Millennial Falcon, a pop culture podcast by three geeky millennials. I'm Anya Crittenden, a writer at Gay Star News, and I am joined by both my wonderful co-hosts. I'm Wai Chen Bui, a writer for Slash Film, a pop culture journalist in New York. And I'm Willoughby Dobbs, a filmmaker in the D.C. area. So today is the end of the month, and that means we are doing our monthly millennial movie review. But uh, before we get into our review of our film, which will be Captain Marvel, we have a word from our sponsors. What's up, you cool 90s kids? It's blockbuster time! Go downtown to your local blockbuster and rent a video on VHS or DVD. You got cool movies like Total Recall and other 90s films. Well, that was a blast. Mr. Movie Phone there. Well, that was a blast from the past. So let's get into our review of Captain Marvel. Marvel is the latest Marvel Studios film, and it stars uh, Brie Larson, Samuel L. Jackson, Ben Mendelsohn, Jude Law, Annette Benning, Lashana Lynch, Clark Gregg, Gemma Chan, and more. <laughs> There's a huge cast. A stacked cast. Stacked cast. And it follows Carol Danvers as she becomes one of the universe's most powerful heroes when Earth is caught in the middle of a galactic war between two alien races. So, now that we got the basic sound, standard fare. Let's talk about Captain Marvel. What are your guys' initial thoughts, uh, spoiler-free thoughts about Captain Marvel? Anya, why don't you go first? Um, so I mentioned this movie a few weeks ago in our really likes, um, and again, I cannot be objective with this film. It is impossible for me to be objective. Um, Carol Danvers is a hero I grew up with. It, she's a hero that, you know, eight-year-old Anya was extremely inspired by and has been, or have been for the, the rest of my life. I still am. Um, and so seeing her come to life on the big screen uh, was very special to me. And Brie Larson is perfect in the role. We will get to her, but she... She just embodies Carol, and I'm so excited to see what more she does with the character. Um, when we first saw Carol, like, in her suit with, like, the mohawk hair, I, like, shivers went down my spine, and I realized this was happening. Like, I was watching a movie about Carol Danvers on the big screen at the theater, and she was going to be breaking all these box office records. Um that's a little backstory about why I can't be objective. Um, so I obviously love this film. Um, I agree it's not perfect. I think there are some shortcomings, which we can get into. But I think for what it set out to do, at least with the introduction of Carol Danvers as a character and what she's about, I really loved this film. Um, and, you know, regardless of any shortcomings shortcomings it may have Brie Larson is perfect as Carol Danvers to me and that I like I can't sorry guys I just I really can't be super objective about this one okay Anya I understand (laughs) I understand completely um 
it's kind of how I felt about Wonder Woman last year. And just like that was a movie that <clears throat> despite its shortcomings and despite its very glaring flaws, especially towards the latter, the third act, I just was able to kind of accept it with its um, flaws and all just because I it made such an impact on me. Yeah. Um, so Willoughby, what are your thoughts about Captain Marvel? All right. Let's get ready for a straight white man's opinion here. This movie was good. I liked the movie. It was very good. I thought that it has some flaws, which we'll probably get into because it, it had some pacing issues. Um, but I think that for the most part, Brie Larson was kick-ass. She was quippy. She was badass. She fought amazingly. Like I think that the stunt choreography was pretty good. Um, I liked all of the uh, supporting characters around her that were definitely like uh, pretty amazing. Um uh, her best friend. Uh, uh, why am I? Why am I forgetting her name? Maria yeah. Rambo. Maria Rambo. Uh, I'm not f- super familiar with the comic books. It's also been a month since I saw the film. Um, and so Maria Rambo was great. Sam Jackson as '90s Nick Fury was killer. And the de aging effect on him. I think I spoke about this when I saw the movie as a about a month ago. Uh, was perfect. I, they've succeeded. They're they've done it. Like they. I, I think from uh, <laughs> the, we started with uh, Jeff Daniel Jeff not Jeff Daniels um, Jeff Bridges in Tron Legacy in 2010 and we're ending the decade with Sam Jackson in uh, Captain Marvel and as like a relatively similarly like that time period of like 20 years ago de aging literally like, time traveling worked perfectly I'm pretty sure they just yeah. like Probably. found invented time travel and just plucked 90 yeah. Sam Jackson out um, it's incredible i think they i don't even know if he slimmed down for the role or if they de-aged his body because he looked thinner too um than he has looked in the in previous marvel movies or maybe it's just because he's not wearing the the long duster jacket that he has been wearing in uh nick fury i'm really excited i want i want a, a marvel one shot of what uh when he gets that jacket because it's like he goes from like regular like special agent like buttons button down and like he looks like a cop and then in he shows up in Avengers, like looking like he's Nick Fury. I really—it's so ridiculous. Um, I'll continue on. Captain Marvel is a very good movie. It's top tier Marvel. It's a solid origin story, and also a pr- a very good prequel to both um, anything that has to do with the Tesseract, um, and also uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. Like it—it—it it, it was an interesting way of tying in characters from that universe as well as doing its own. Uh, prelude to uh the rest of the series it's it's very it very much reminded me of the first avenger captain america the first avenger in terms of it being a prequel in terms of it being about a captain um and about being like a very good film um and kind of like wholesome and like like very has a message um but also like in terms of its placement like captain america the first avenger happened right before the first avengers film and now captain marvel shows up right before the final Avengers film, as we know it, like in terms of like this group of Avengers. Um, and I think that that it's a very uh, interesting placement of the film I th- uh, in terms of the, the releasing of these films. Cause also it's the 21st, 22nd Marvel movie. And it's kind of so the first many. female. One. Uh, don't oh. me. We'll, we'll talk about that too, I guess. Um, but no, I think, it, I think it's very good. Um, the action is solid. Uh, Jude Law is cool as like, 
Yonrog. Um, and yeah, well, and well, there's a spoiler character that we'll, we'll talk about later. Um, and spoilers, but she's very good too. Um, yeah. Okay. Why don't we? Uh, HT, what are your thoughts? Uh, so my thoughts. Um, I think Captain Marvel is a solid, uh, enjoyable Marvel movie, and a, probably around while well, it's kind of in the somewhat mid-tier of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, I do think it's one of the better origin stories because it tries to flip that um, origin movie formula a little bit. And uh, while it does have some recognizable elements of the Marvel movie formula, I think that the cast in particular really elevates it from being just a rote, like, you know, A, B, C, a Marvel origin story. And um, the the cosmic parts of it, like the visuals for that, impressed me as well. As well as just kind of the, the dynamic between Brie Larson's Carol Danvers and Samuel L. Jackson's Nick Fury there, like sort of buddy cop routine, was something that I really enjoyed and which I think helped carry the movie along as, uh, very well. And like Willoughby said, the supporting cast, Lashana Lynch is great as Maria Rambo. Ben Mendelsohn was like... So good. Here yeah. in Did you even movie. get to talk about him? He's so good. He's well, we so have to talk. We're gonna get to the characters. We'll get to well, him. We'll get to them later. Um, and I think that I do think that actually that while this movie has like pacing problems and especially some action problems, particularly in the latter half, uh, this is like a, this is a good solid movie and like in, quite enjoyable that takes you along for a ride. And I do enjoy when it tries to. Um, break out of that, uh, the expectations a little bit and do something a little different, like what we have with the memory and everything. So that being said, I also have written a review of Captain Marvel, which you can read on SlashFilm.com. And um, with that, we can go into our spoiler review of Captain Marvel. We'll break this down into the plot, characters, themes. And actually, one of the things that impressed me with Captain Marvel is the themes were much deeper than what than what I was initially um what initially was impressed upon me. Um, so once, like, you get into it, I think that this, there is something more that this movie has to offer than, like, what is initially, um, what you initially expect. So uh, let's get into it. Let's first go into uh, the strongest part of this movie, which is the characters, I think. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Higher, further, faster, baby! Yeah. Um, I want to I start with Carol and Brie Larson, um, obviously. Um because the thing is, is that when you do the amnesia plot, it essentially makes a character a non-character. Mm-hmm. Like, characters with amnesia are no longer characters, really. Um, and I think that they... I really don't like amnesia plots because of this. Um, and I find that they can be a little too convenient and a little too contrived. Um, and I did... There were some moments in the film where I didn't, like, love the amnesia element um, because Carol was kind of at, at times she was a little hard to grasp in terms of who she was, which is again, what amnesia does to you. And like Carol herself was trying to figure out who she was. And I don't always love that as a storytelling device, but Brie Larson was perfect. And in lesser hands, <clears throat> the amnesia part of it could have been a little bit more awkward and clunky um, but even when Carol didn't know who she was, Brie Larson infused her with this warmth and resilience and strength, both physical and inner strength. Um, and I loved how compassionate 
Carol was as or is as a character, you know, even when she's figuring out herself. Um, everyone's talking about kind of Carol and Nick Fury, uh, which is great because they're a really fun buddy team. But I think Carol shines most when she's with Maria and mm-hmm. Monica mm-hmm. Um, and their little family unit. And the idea of seeing these two women in this kind of relationship, in this supportive emotional deep relationship um i thought was a really was a big highlight of the film for me and the way that they interacted with one another um and i'm really hoping that since this is the 90s and like we're gonna be jumping forward to where we are now in the mcu i would love to see a grown-up monica at some point because monica rambo in the comics also becomes a superhero herself um with powers the one thing i'm sad about though is with a time jump will lose probably that dynamic between Carol and Maria, which is what one of, yeah. again, like like you said, the one of the most fun parts, one of the most emotionally compelling parts of the movie. Agreed. Um, yeah, I don't think they're going to be pulling a Wonder Woman 1984 and bringing back Steve Trevor somehow. Um, I think this might be the last we see of Maria, or they're going to do like a Peggy thing and age her up. Um, or cast um, Lashana Lynch as Maria or uh, Monica. As Monica, yeah. that would be really funny, actually. Um, but I would love That's to see Monica. very nineties of it. That would be would very nineties of it. But I would love to see Monica because um, she's a great hero in the comics, um, and it would just also be good to always just have more women of color and more female superheroes in general. Um, but yes, so Brie Larson, I think she is perfect as Carol, and I think even with the amnesia pitfalls that just naturally come with that kind of storyline i think she sells carol beautifully um and she was by far my favorite part of the movie i agree with what you with your um assessment of of brie larson because i think she was fantastic in this role um there's a great internality to her performance that she is able to um deliver really well and that's really difficult even some of like the best actresses are not really able to tap into that internality i think that's actually one of the problems with jennifer lawrence's performance in mother in which jennifer lawrence is always very external performer and mother i think required her to be an internal performer but brie larson really has that just kind of layered performance where you can see a lot of things happening beneath the surface despite her surface being stoic and um i do want to talk about stoicism especially in female characters a little bit because it's something that we're not really used to seeing in a female character and it was something that was really bothered me when people were criticizing oh she doesn't smile that much in the trailers and stuff oh she's just like very emotionless and like nothing is wrong with having a a female character be stoic i remember with fringe for example anna torv was was um given a lot of crap for being having a wooden performance but it turned out that was actually like part of her role she was supposed to be that stoic character who is a person of few words and yet is able to like uh express all of these emotions with like very few um, expressions and i think brie larson does that fantastically and that's also kind of a part of her arc as well as you see early on when Yon Rog, played by Jude Law, uh, critis- uh, schools her for giving in to her emotions and being too emotional. And that's like another thing that, can, that ties into the themes of the movie. And she is, you can see actually that conflict that she has in which she's trying to hold things back and be an emotional 
but um, she is unable to. And by tapping into the emotions, she actually becomes more powerful. And I like that you see all of that, despite it being mostly dialogue-less. Like, it's mostly just, like, in Brie Larson's performance. And she she conveys it so well. Yeah, she's absolutely beautiful in the role. Um, Willoughby, do you have anything to add about Brie Larson? Um. I concur with everything you guys said. Uh, there's, I, I don't want to repeat anything because you, you know, you'd just be here, me saying, praising her. I mean, I should praise her. She's very good in the movie, but like, I, I can't say it as eloquently as you guys just said. So why not? We'll talk about other characters. She was very good. I'm not yeah. even, I'm not even trying to like not say anything bad. Like I'm just saying, like there's nothing else to say. Yeah, I want to keep with the theme of female characters right now. Um. Some of the men are also great in this movie, but, you know, this is not about them. Um, and so we've talked about, like, Maria and Carol and how great they are. And I love that Maria, like, has her own, like, she gets to be involved in the plot. And mm-hmm. she's not just there, like, on Earth, like, going, like, oh, my God, you're alive. Like, she actually yeah. gets to do stuff. Well, Shauna Lynch has a really sort of unforgiving role because she has to play um, Carol's emotional anchor. And yeah. that's not a very easy role to play and give that that character like depth because usually they're more they're just really a plot device. They're there to be like the emotional yeah. like or they're there to be the heart. But Lashana yeah. Lynch gives such a warmth and such a like like resilience or like a, a realism to her to she does. Um, Maria yeah. to Maria that it like yeah. it works really well and you can genuinely believe like their friendship. Yeah, I mean she essentially is like the wife left mm-hmm. behind at home to raise the child. Yeah. Like, that is kind of the dynamic that she has in this movie and with Carol. Um, but she also rises above that stereotype um, and gets to do, like, her own bit and gets to live a life beyond Carol, um, which is great. And now I want to talk about Annette Benning. Yes. So, a little bit of spoilers. Um, Annette Benning. Uh, as we learn in the movie, uh, was Maria and Carol's one of their, uh, like, superior, higher ranking, yeah, yeah superior officer Commanding in the officer. Air Force. Mm-hmm. Um, and about halfway through the film, you realize that Annette Benning is actually the Cree hero Marvel. What a twist! I love it. Ah. And same. And when I when this happened in the movie, I I started crying. Um, because in the comics, Marvel is a man. And I thought Jude Law was gonna. I yeah, thought Jude Law did. did like secretly Marvel. Everyone thought he was gonna be Marvel. Um, and the fact that Marvel kept that hidden so well, and that I did not know it, and seeing the reveal that Annette Benning was Marvel, just meant everything. Because then again, you have this wonderful female relationship between her and Carol. And the way that, the way that she influenced Carol, without without Carol even knowing who she really was or like what she was trying to accomplish on Earth, but the way that like she instilled in Carol this drive and this strength and this resolve. Um, and I know you know she was not in the movie that much, but I she left a big impression on me. Uh, in the movie, and I just loved that she was Marvel. I just think that was a brilliant change from the like comic origins. I thought that was great too because you'll never have the com the 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 terrible fanboys who are like, well, you know, we should have seen Marvel do his thing first. 
before we get Captain Marvel as with Brie Larson. No, it's like you get you you always get a female Captain Marvel or like Marvel in terms of like there's no gonna there's not gonna be a, like a Captain Marvel and then Miss Marvel like thing going on like the, like how the comics happened. You're you're gonna have female characters as these characters. It's and they're strong and they're complex and they're emotional. It's great. And, like, a positive, positive like, emphasis on emotional. Like, that's the theme of the movie. Is, like, Emotions do emotion... not have to be a weakness. Yep, exactly. Yeah. Yon-Rog is like, control your emotions. And she's like, fuck you. <laughs> like, Listen, Carol she's, fuck. she's not Anakin Skywalker. She knows how to have her emotions and be a hero at the same time. Exactly. And those emotions only <laughs> make her stronger. I don't like sand. <laughs> rough and coarse and it gets everywhere anakin skywalker sucks um i mean he's not great he's He's, better in clone wars he's the worst also he sucks because he kills thousands of people yeah he's a bit of a war criminal too oops just a bit um anyway not is a great embodiment of that your emotions do not make you weak yep she's not a war criminal um Uh, she, she might be who knows because she realized that she was playing for the wrong side. And unwilling, uh, well, not unwilling, but... Unwitting. Yeah. Unwitting. War criminal, yes. Um, HT, what did you think of Annette Benning and the reveal that she is Marvel? I liked the reveal. I mean, it didn't blow my mind quite as much as you because I don't really have that tie, those ties to the Captain Marvel comics. But I thought it was a really smart way to uh, to bring that around and uh, give Annette Benning more to do too. Because I remember when she was first, um, when the news of her casting first came around, everyone was like, oh, she's the great intelligence and that'll be it. Um, but I like that the depiction of the great, great intelligence is just like the person you admire the most and that kind of plants the seeds for um, Annette Benning being... Uh, what was her character's name? It was like... Uh, uh, something Lawson. I can't, Wendy yeah. Lawson? Wendy Lawson. You're right. It was like Wendy Lawson. Nice. Who actually was was uh, Marvel, And uh, it, it also adds a little bit more of um, a complexity to the Kree race too. And how um, until now we've seen them mostly as like a sort of warmongering... Uh, type of alien race, and uh, but Marvel was one of the peace lovers who decided to sort of go against that, and uh, that was really interesting. I um, I liked her performance. Uh, I wouldn't say it's one of the, like my favorite performances of the of the. No, cast. agreed. Yeah, she was she was good. She was fine, but the reveal was really cool. I think it more works like I mean, not Benning is always great, but yeah. um, you know, they didn't really give her like that much to do. I think it yeah. was just like the. The, the role, role that they created for Marvel in making it a woman and seeing her influence on Carol mm-hmm. was, I think, the most powerful element of that. Yeah, no, I like so that all of them, Carol's most important relationships are with women, basically. Yay. Guys, women are great. Um, although, you know who else is great? Who might be like a man? Ben Mendelsohn. You yeah, the words right out about, of my mouth on you. We talked about the Mendel, the Mendelssohn of it all. You guys know how, is, after this movie, I was just like obsessed with HT, Ben Mendelssohn. Like she was like head over heels for Ben Mendelssohn after she saw this. I mean, I was already sort of in the Ben Mendelssohn boat, but this was the thing that like put me in like this, his fan this club is, forever. This put you the captain of that. Boat. Yeah, you are now the captain of the SS Mendelssohn. The captain now. You're the captain now, guys. Ben Mendelssohn is phenomenal in this movie. 
my God. He is like, I, he is a, uh, on another level of everyone else's he performance, honestly. Absolutely is. <laughs> like, if everyone is earthbound, he is cosmic. I think he's the one who really, of the cast, who knows that he's in a superhero movie set in space with aliens that look like lizards, and he is just hamming it the hell up because of that, and that is so fun. And uh, we get to see more of him than just be the glowering bad guy, which is just the best part, because he plays into that twist, the, the third act twist or second act twist, really well. Yeah. And he he I, um not only is able to play the sinister villain well and the comic relief well, he imbues his character with so much heart and so much emotion that um, he gives like... He gives like three character performances in this one role, and I just was on board for each of them. I'm calling it now. I'm calling it now in 2019. Ben Mendelsohn is the new Gary Oldman. Because we've canceled Gary Oldman because of the shit he's done. Um, also, he's and he's kind of getting up there in ages. Ben Mendelsohn is known for playing a villain known for being very good and emotional and charismatic and has is now taking a little bit of a star turn to being like a, a, a empathetic character, sympathetic character. Like his whole role in Captain Marvel is a, a, a subversion of what we know of Ben Mendelsohn to be. Because mm-hmm. at first you're like, oh, he's the bad guy. He's coming out of the sea with his, with his friends, and they look like they're going to start a Christian rock band with that cover album. I but love it. Ben Mendelsohn is punk that, rock in this movie. He but is. But at the end, it turns out that he is in charge of a refugee or, um, yeah. group. And that he's like trying to save his family from the Cree, who turn out to be not so great. If you've even, turn out to like, be war even criminals, me, who essentially. has seen... I have seen Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I have seen... Uh, um, all of the Marvel movies. When I was like, "Oh yeah, the Kree, they are like a, they're like cool," and then I was like, "Oh shit, no, they're not. They're the bad guys." Like it took, like it, it like I was fooled too, Surprise. even though I've seen all the movies. Like mm. I was like, "Oh yeah, shit, the Kree are the bad guys." But it took me until Brie Larson real realized it too. I was like, "Oh yeah, duh." Um, and I thought I was like, you know, because um, with uh, Lee Pace's character from Guardians of the Galaxy shows up as part oh, of the man. Kree empire he's he's no longer he's not like a rogue bad guy like he is in guardians of the galaxy one so my impression was like oh maybe he's like an outsider or like an outlier in terms of like who the Kree really are it's like nope no they're all just they're all, they're bad. all like they're that all bad. he's just an extremist um i totally agree with you that ben mendelson could be the new gary oldman minus being a better person ben if you're listening do not do anything that's gonna make us cancel you um because gary oldman is canceled i can absolutely see ben mendelson winning an oscar one day i feel like he is the perfect sort of supporting actor Mm -hmm. he's a great to a bit he's that perfect character actor who is overlooked because how of how chameleonic he is and Mm -hmm. uh, agreed that that really suits his character here (laughs) chameleonic and um at some point he will finally be recognized for how he just disappears into a role because i think winston churchill i'm calling it again oh my god can you imagine 
he's gonna play a spy. And he's not. He's gonna get nominated. He's not gonna win. And for uh, a Jean Le Carré novel, and then he's gonna play Winston Churchill five years later and win his Oscar. This but he'll play Winston Churchill. No wait, but he'll play Winston Churchill in a supporting role, a la Judi Dench as Queen Elizabeth in Shakespeare in Love. So he'll win the supporting actor Oscar for playing Winston Churchill. True. Where he's just, like, a figure in a movie about other main characters. Mm-hmm. Well, the, um, jowls, the Jowls will win for Best Supporting, but he'll win Best Actor. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, but going to Captain Marvel, uh, you guys both touched on this, but, like, Ben Mendelsohn is chewing a lot of scenery in this film. And it is a testament to a what a good actor he So much. And it is a testament to what a good actor he is, that he is able to go from chewing that scenery to being a refugee in such a believable way. Like he goes from the over the top villain to being a victim of oppression and circumstance and this warmongering alien race. And it is so believable. Like he sells it so well. I'm able to laugh at him in one scene and then like cry Mm -hmm. at like the way the scrolls have been treated in the next scene. And I just thought he did a great job. Like, embodying that character there was a moment where i i really liked um i I can't remember exactly when when this took place but i think he was talking about um you know like the sins he committed in during the war too and he's like we all have blood on our hands and i really liked that delivery that he made where he was just kind of regretting like everything he's done but it's all been out of necessity and he brings so much gravitas and so much just um emotion to that just one little scene that I think kind of encapsulates like everything he does in his performance. He's just, he's so good guys. He's really good at being like a uh, caught in a corner and mm-hmm. trying and like feral,ly trying to fight his way out, but yeah. also sympathetically. And I think that he, I think him? the way, oh, oh. Go, ahead. go ahead. Oh, I was just going to, I was just, I was just going to say that this movie also takes the subversion of the alien race that doesn't look human. Mm-hmm. Um, I Ironically, they can become human, but the, the like their standard form is not human looking, and they they are they were you know in all of pop culture like usually the bad guys are not human looking, um, in terms of like science fiction aliens and stuff, and the 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 bad guys in this film turn out to be human looking. Not even they're not even the blue Cree; they're the pink Cree. They're the the human skin toned Cree. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's his face? Young Rog. Mm-hmm. Like it's such a a great subversion of themes that we know um, from comic book history, from pop culture history. Like, I love the way that they are able to flip almost every script here. Yeah. Um, yeah. I was going to say, the only thing I was going to say, can we talk about Ben Mendelsohn's accent? So good. <laughs> that wasn't anything like quite um, uh, profound. I was just going to be like, his accent's so good. His, he gets I, to tap into his natural, natural Australian. Australian accent. Yeah. And he like, he does it in this very like, gritty sort of earthy way that's like almost like a like uh i don't know punk (laughs) punk australian i thought the australian accent was so great it It was great it was perfect um no totally agreed can we next talk about nicholas j fury and goose yes goose goose can't forget about goose we, can, we have yeah. to talk about Fury, and by extension, we have to talk about Goose, because Fury oh, loves I'm that getting, little girl. I'm getting a telegram. It says here, Goose has won the 2020 Oscars, <laughs> um, specifically all of them. Yes. 
Yes, good we're job, renaming girl. the Academy Awards the Goose Awards. We're now the Gooses. <gasps> you gotta win your goose. <laughs> Wait. Uh, he didn't. He didn't. He got. He got, he got snubbed for that goose. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, so I just, I thought, um, a lot of people have been talking about this, about the way that Samuel Jackson plays Fury in this movie, and how he is very different than the Fury we know from the more modern MCU movies, the one that take place in modern day, and how Nick Fury has kind of become a hardened person over the years, mm-hmm. and how when we see him in this, um, he is uh, much softer as a character, um, and you see it a lot in his scenes with Carol and the relationship he has with her and the fact that he winds up having such an affection for her. Um, and I, I think that was really lovely to see. Mm-hmm. He loves those heroes. He does. Yeah, I really like that he names um, the Avengers Initiative after Carol's call uh, Was it her, not call sign, yeah, but her, her uh, call sign. Yeah, her call sign. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, Carol Avenger Danvers. Yeah. Yep. Um, so that's pretty cool. Can you imagine the protectors Infinity War? <laughs> Avengers yeah, just imagine. sounds cooler. Avengers Even though it doesn't really cooler. make sense as a team name, because like, what are they avenging? Well, there's something to avenge now. Um, yes, so he yes. was like calling it. He called. He called their shot 25 years earlier. Um, the like, yeah, I think I think he's great. I think he is. He takes. He was able to do a thing that is sort of only done in characters' backstories, like, off-screen, or um, only mentioned, or, like, only part of the actor's, like, uh, thought process of how do we get, how, how do we take a character who was soft originally and now hard? Like, he's able to do that, abil- that ability of being, like, lovable. I mean, he's always lovable, because he's Sam Jackson. But, like, characters will, like, think he's, like, fun to be around. And, like, yeah. he's cracking jokes. He's uh, kind of, like, silly. He's, like... It's it's sort of fun to see him like it's like he's he loves the cat he loves goose like he sees the cat and he does what every human not like logical human being would just go oh little kitty like it's so perfect in terms of him going from that to being like the badass director of Shield who can't trust anybody um, and because he can't trust a cat because the cat scratched his eye out and that's why when in Cap Winter Soldier he's like the last time I trusted somebody. I lost an eye. And it's like, oh, that was the cat. That was the little was cute cat Goose. boy. It was because Goose is a good little girl who's girl. also... Huh? I, I, I misspoke. Uh, 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 Goose is a girl. A uh, cat yes. girl. Goose is a girl. Um, and she's also a flurkin. 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 Honestly. Tesseract. Yeah, and she saves the day a lot at the end of the movie. And I think the third act has quite a few problems in terms of the action. I found most of the stuff on that spaceship to be very forgettable. Um, but I will say, Goose coming in with her flurkin powers and eating up bad guys, I was like, alright, Goose. You're cool. We like Goose. What did, what did you guys think of the fact that the Tesseract um, was just sort of chilling and probably shield NASA for 60 years before Fury was like, oh, maybe we should do something with this because like it's clear that like there we, we saw at the end of the first avengers um the first avenger that uh shield picks it up or S- the ssr picks it up 
Um, and they're like, oh, cool, we'll, like, experiment on this and, like, do fun things with it. Um, but we don't really see what they're doing until the Avengers, uh, which is making weapons. But when we see uh, Marvel using it, it's for faster than light travel. Um, and also it gives uh, Carol her powers. Like, I think that's a really interesting way of, like, the fact that Scarlet Witch's powers come from one the I think the Mind Stone, if, if I'm not correct. Yeah. Um, and Carol's powers come from the space stone, the, the cosmic cube. So I think that like that's how she's that's how she's gonna defeat Thanos is that she's got the power of one of the Infinity Stones. Plus she's a badass and she has like unlimited power, which is so cool. Um, and uh, it's either gonna be that or the Ant Man theory, which we probably won't get into. Um, but but <laughs> but um, the. I think that it's so, it's, uh, you know, a lot of people are like, they always talk about how the Tesseract is like this MacGuffin that they're trying to, you know, is the one thing that everyone wants in this universe. But I like that as like a through line for this entire series so far in the fact that it's bringing all these characters together. There are these cosmic entities that are, that people are drawn to and the, the, uh, the, uh, the Infinity Stones are drawn towards them too. And I think it's just a really unique way of bringing carol into the fold as like the new almost mold for captain america in terms of like once the original avengers are probably going to be gone it's going to be like black panther um captain america captain marvel i should say um and who's like the, uh, oh doctor do not, strange that's like the new not forget bay doctor strange right, right and thor will probably still show up as like thor um because he's uh, he's great um yeah so like i think the the cosmic cube is cool i like that the flurkin, I like that goose eats it. Yeah. You're making me think about the Tesseract more than I ever have before, because I pretty much Good. just see the Tesseract as a plot device as well. That's all I've ever seen it as. And see, the thing is, I don't think it's more than that. I think you're just highlighting that they have able to mostly cleverly tie it in throughout yes. these decades um, of storytelling. I win. But I think it is still just a plot device. I was actually... Well, it's a plot device that is also the main plot of everything. Loki shows up, he gets the in Ragnarok, he's like, "Ooh, mine now." Which damned everybody. I mean, yeah. Loki always damns everybody. I will say yeah. I was a little tired of the, of seeing the Tesseract. Um, yeah, same. even like when it came on screen in Captain Marvel, I'm like, "Oh, this again." Like we've already seen what it can always do. Always with that blue damn cube. Yeah. So, but like I, I thought, I was like this again. Yeah, I had we had the same like reaction, but the opposite sort of like mood for it. Exactly. But yeah, I mean, like I think they tied it in well. Um, I could do without seeing the Tesseract again. I'm like, I don't really need it. Same. But um, it does like make sense in terms of just like the world building and the and, and um, creating the canon in terms of like uh, uh, Carol Danvers has the power of an Infinity Stone, which makes sense. So. And the space stone, which also and makes the space sense. Stone, yeah, he's like a space hero. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I um, so yeah. I will say I agree with a lot with you guys about a lot of what you said with Sam, with Sam Jackson's portrayal. I think that it's cool that um, even as like he looks younger and is playing a younger character, I feel like there's a spring in his step while he's portraying uh, young Nick Fury, and he like is having a good time with it, which I think is what's important. Samuel Jackson was having a blast. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I think is the important thing about this cast is that they were all having a blast doing it. And you can yeah. tell with that. 
Samuel L. Jackson, Ben Mendelsohn in particular. They were just yes. like, we're just, we're playing in, we're in a superhero movie and we're just going to riff and ham and chew everything up. Like yeah. the moment where, where he's like, is this normal space turbulence? And Carol's like, nah, we're good. And Ben Mendelsohn just looks at him, just shakes his head. No, it's not good. It's so perfect. Hey guys, did you guys know this movie was set in the nineties? I did not. Yeah, it was hard for me to tell that this movie was set in 1995. I don't know about you guys, but I couldn't pick up on it until, like, the end of the movie. You didn't get that when she crashed into a blockbuster on Earth? I mean, blockbusters are still around, and so are boxy computers. So I don't know what they were trying to get with. Mm. No, I feel like there are def- definitely a lot of tie-ins. There's, oh, like, gosh, a lot of nostalgia going through. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, wow. I couldn't tell. It's a bit... I'm doing a bit. We're really bad oh. at this. Oh, sorry, I did not Willoughby. catch on to that bit, Willoughby. I'm so sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, no. It's okay. Maybe my humor is just not great. Oh, no, you I was have like, good oh, humor. We're just, we have bad humor. That's what. No, no. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> I was like, I, mean, I was like, it's pretty obvious that it's set in the 90s. Yeah, there are a lot of 90s <laughs> things. She lands in a blockbuster. <laughs> Oh, Willoughby. Oh, my God. The totally scene where they're downloading and a... She look like fools. No, I don't... I didn't mean that at no, all. No, no, you're fine. It's fine. It's funny. It's funny. It's really funny that we totally did I, not pick up on it at all. I just... I thought the scene... Like, the my theater was cracking up at all the 90s jokes. Like, I'm... Like, for legitimately serious, I think the, those were so funny. The scene um, where they're, like, downloading an MP4... And it's taking forever, and like you have to boot up the computer, and it's making the dial-up sound. Guys, it was very good. I'm sorry oh, for it. So I, I, didn't, I, mean, I honestly even... thought you were like picking up what I was putting no, down, and I apologize I say, that no. I was not putting it down hard enough. But you're you're so right, and I mean, like even with the third act problems and the fact that a lot of the action, like on the spaceship, is largely forgettable. When I'm just a girl started playing, I was pumped. Oh, I had the opposite reaction to I'm just the girl. I'm sorry. Oh, yeah. Oh, I've heard some I loved it. very negative reactions I, to I that. did not like the choice of I'm just the girl. I think that, like, I don't know. It it very it felt very dis, I, disingenuous to me, I guess I would say, just because when we like, see... on the nose? Yeah, it was, like, it was on the nose, but also the fact that the action that and the fight scene that it was set to was just so listless. It was. It felt very yeah. much like it was filmed by like a, like a second unit, and there was no just like rhythm or anything to it. And like that's playing. I'm just a girl. But when we've seen what we've seen in the past, when we've had like needle drops like that, like in Guardians of the Galaxy, it's there's always like this this uh, joy and verve to like, yeah. like and how like the song is connected to the action. And here it felt very disconnected, and that was something that kind of rubbed me the wrong way. So do you feel like the energy of the action scene itself was higher it would have gone with the song more yes and also okay. if the needle drops were more consistent throughout the movie okay, it felt that's like fair. they pulled them out every now and then and uh sometimes they were diegetic sometimes they're non-diegetic and i felt like they needed a consistent like language for this and it felt like they yeah. just threw it in just because they could and just because and see, it was this expected. is another sign of the way that i cannot be objective because i think everything you're saying is correct mm-hmm. and very astute observations and for me i'm just like oh my god carol danvers saving the day and i'm just a girl playing and like feminism and girl power and carol danvers and little girl anya is so happy right now so like i you are correct from a filmmaking standpoint it was not great but from little fangirl anya i was just like this is the greatest thing ever i understand that i know i know i feel like i feel bad for like um uh sort of like 
crushing your not your dreams but just kind no, of like i mean but you're right but like no just make, just her spirit yeah just, just your spirit, spirit. i mean I, like the thing I, is I in that scene that there is a jukebox waiting to be like crashed into in yeah, that scene and they don't jukebox. even touch it and i was like that is something that was like a missed opportunity if they really wanted this like scene to have more punch and for the song to it, actually make sense in this in it, this battle sequence it's like uh, Star Trek Beyond uses um, um, the BG, not the BGS, the Beastie Boys uh, uh, sabotage in such a perfect way as both a callback to the first film as well as like they're saving the universe with the power of music and like it's timed well. It's like the the, the action is like syncing up with the music. There's a scene where like the Beastie Boys are screaming and like the all the drones are exploding in unison at the same time and I think and like I think that's a perfect example of like what we kind of wanted from this scene where like a little bit more baby driver where like yeah. the music and the action is sort of like timed up with each other a little bit well or like uh, yeah or even if um like like you were saying like if there were more needle drops throughout the way mm. and it was more consistent and it's like this is the final song they're gonna play and it's like leading up to like a very like pro women song like very yeah. feminist like like badass women like taking charge sort of deal yeah um yeah yeah it just yeah. was one of the problems i had with the movie and that like it had some 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 sort of inconsistencies and it felt like it was playing into our expectations of what should be happening in the scene like oh of course this scene will have a needle drop but it doesn't work because there haven't been really any needle drops before this um but yes um should we move on to the plot then so we can talk a little bit about yeah. Let's do plot and themes together. Yeah, um, yeah cause they're, they're they're linked up to that to what. Uh, to yeah, the... I have a question. Did you guys find the plot hard to follow at all? I did not. Uh, okay, because no. I had I've had some friends come to me <clears throat> and say that they found the plot hard to follow, um, and they think it's because they weren't like uh, they they didn't really know anything about the scrolls and crees mm. going into it, and so they found it sort of confusing and. I, again, I cannot speak from that place because I know her backstory so well um, that I, you know, could pick up on all the comic references and what was going on. And so I wasn't sure if, like, to maybe non-comic immersed people, if this was a more confusing Marvel movie in terms of... Okay, I, I didn't think so either, so. but I've had I've had people tell me that, so I wasn't sure what you guys thought. No, I don't really know much about the Captain Marvel lore, um, but it was fairly easy to follow along for me, and I actually appreciated how it kind of it tried to um, juggle, like to switch up the structure a little bit. It doesn't give us our typical origin movie and like how, like oh, she gains her powers, she learns how to use her powers. It drops us in right in the middle where she has had her powers for a couple years, and she but she doesn't remember her past. She's like been in the Kree for as long as she can remember, and she's training to become part of the Star Force Command. Yes. And um, yeah. I like that. And, like, I like that her past is told through these, like, really fractured flashbacks, especially in that scene where she's her memories are being, like, raked through by the Skrulls in a scene that, like, is really reminiscent of um, – it's, like, very surreal and kind of reminiscent of, like, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind for me. And I, I quite like that, that. Yeah, because, like, you see her actually um, interacting with her memories and remembering it differently. And I like that a lot. Like, that was something that I th- felt like the movie was – doing that was different and that was actually a little bit audacious and bold and I wish we could have seen more of that um but uh I I did like that part and how they tried to like you know throw throw uh spice things up a bit 
Yeah. I think there's also a level of, um, like, language to learn in terms of, like, these type of movies and comic book stories. And I think that this is a very, like, they go heavy on the lore in mm. terms of, in this movie. Like, to the extent where I don't think any other movie, I mean, they've do, they've definitely done the lore pretty hard in other movies. Um, but I think that for in terms of it being an origin story and in, in terms of it being, like, we're introducing a whole other race of aliens that you haven't seen before... Um, that those with, from the comics will be familiar with, but like if you've only seen the Marvel movies, the scrolls have come out of left field, and it's just sort of like how do you deal with that? And I think that they did a good job. Like I, 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 I think that like I don't know much about the scrolls. I only know them from the animated Avengers series that they were doing um, before the movies were coming out. Like I only I, I know that they were like they're shape changing aliens and that they fight with the Kree a lot. That's all I knew. Um, and so, like, I like the fact that they they were the were they were the presumed villains at the beginning of this film. Like, they were like, we have to hunt down these scrolls. They're like bad guys, and so they go to Earth because the scrolls are on Earth, um, looking for a person for Doctor Lawson or whatever, um, and who is t- tied to Carol's past. And then you get Carol like revisiting her past with the combination of meeting Nick Fury, and they're on on the hunt for the scrolls. and when you finally catch the scrolls, they're like, hey, we're the good guys, actually, and the bad guys of the Kree. And, so then, and I... then you have that pretty much play out, mm-hmm. I think. I don't so... know. I, I, I thought I, there are some twists and turns, and that could definitely be hard to follow, but I think in terms of, like, as, as a superhero plot, it's pretty standard. I think my problem with uh, Captain Marvel is that it feels so embedded in the mcu um sure let me ask you guys a question um if this was the first marvel movie ever the only marvel movie would you guys enjoy it as much again i can't if it was the exact same movie (laughs) yes it was the exact same movie and it's just just by itself like out of no context of anything else would this still be like? Would would you enjoy it as much? Is this a good movie just like on its own? Probably not, because there are a lot of things that are visually like re- like callbacks or I guess call forwards. Because there's like the tesseract, which isn't super explained. Um, like it's it's explained, but it's not like there's so much history behind it now that when you when it shows up you're like oh shit it's the tesseract instead of like what the fuck is this blue cube doing here um which is like what it was in um captain avengers or captain avengers <laughs> captain America, the first captain avengers. Uh, 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 all the captains are going to be avengers um the uh you know the Captain America, the first Avenger, does a good job of describing what the cosmic cube is for for modern for for new audiences because it's the first introduction of the cube in the MCU. But you don't get that necessarily with Captain Marvel. Like you should know what the Tesseract is mm-hmm. by this point. And, and there's other things like like Nick Fury isn't. I mean, you know who he is, but you also like you know who he's going to become. Like, there's a lot of things that you can't not tie this film back to. Yeah. Agent Coulson is so random if you don't think about him in terms of, like, the larger MCU. Like, there's so much here that I don't think would work because it is so entrenched in the lore of the MCU yeah. and comics and, I, and Marvel yeah, comics. Yeah, and I itself. think a lot of that enjoyment from this movie does stem from that, from, like, previous knowledge and from, like, almost, like, fan service in some ways. Well, I agree, 
that it it would not be as an enjoyable of a film. But like, let me turn this back on you and say, does it have to exist on its own? It's the twenty first no. movie in a massive I mean, franchise. I like, would argue yes, alone. because See, I, I feel argue, like every film should be able to stand point. on its own. But I do understand like it is part of like a big series, and I do enjoy it because it is part. It does like tie into so many things. Like but, I agree that like. Yeah. You know, Iron Man, Thor, the first Avenger, like, those should all be able to stand on its own because mm-hmm. the MCU was just starting out at that point. Mm-hmm. But at this point, like, I don't think Kevin Feige is looking at these movies and saying, like, man, I think, like, Joe Blow off the street is just going to walk into this movie and have no idea what's going on. Like, people who are seeing these movies are MCU fans. And mm-hmm. even if they're not huge fans, they know people who are, who have explained things to them. Or, you know, or if they are going just to support, like, the this female superhero movie, that's also fine and great Mm -hmm. but like i i i'm torn because like i see where you're coming from ht but i also don't necessarily know if the mcu is like the best example of this argument just because it has become like a beast unto itself yeah yeah i mean like well take for example um black panther last year I, feel I was like, thinking of that too. Yeah, Black Panther is a movie that really does stand on its own despite being tied and uh, to the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It is a movie that you can go in without any prior knowledge and is a good movie uh, just left to its own devices. Yeah, no, I agree. And I mean, I, yeah, I don't think That's Captain fair. Marvel is as enjoyable on its own, but yeah. I also don't necessarily know if it has to be. Yeah. And I understand that too, but I, I do like, like I, I do think, think I do come with the, with the thinking that, I, that every movie should be a movie. And be an enjoy a good movie. Uh, I think I mean it, it is definitely a motion picture. Yeah, um, I mean like it is still a good movie. Move. If even if you take it out of the MCU, it's still good, but it's not quite as good as it is yeah, within right. the context of the MCU. And I don't think they were trying to tell such a standalone story as Black Panther. I think mm-hmm. that's also what what what, you're, what we're looking at here is that mm-hmm. they are telling a story that ties Carol Danvers to the Avengers in such a level that we didn't realize that we would get yeah what are the intentions of this movie Mm. the intentions of this movie are to set up that she is the second avenger yeah and like i don't think yeah and i think you're right black panther was intended to be as much of a standalone as it is part of the mcu whereas Mm. i think this movie especially coming in so late in the mcu but taking place decades before most of the mcu's action I think they did not go out with the intentions of writing a standalone movie. It was very much like she's going to be a big player in Endgame. We need to introduce her and show everyone what she's about. And so I also think it was, I think they kind of had the thankless task by putting it in the nineties because like, it's not like Captain America prequel because that's just his origin story. And he, it came so early in the MCU. Like, but now we have an established MCU but they're telling her origin story in the 90s. So I think it's kind of, they almost kind of back themselves into a corner mm. by having it be a prequel, but having to tie it in to her showing up in Endgame. Mm-hmm. And so I think, I think a lot of this is like context and circumstance and they, yeah, by choosing this route, they sort of push themselves back into that corner. Yeah. Like um, they could have done, they could have done what they do, what they did with Black Panther and Spider Man in terms of like introduce Carol in an Avengers film or in a, a you know a, a large group setting and then have her her uh, standalone movie take place after the big events, um, like they did with Spider Man and Black Panther. But I think that what 
what what setting it in the 90s and still keeping it entrenched in marvel lore is that they tie her into the larger scope of things in terms of, of like she stands as a character in terms uh, of like being a yeah. very powerful character that needs to show up in times of great uncertainty right i mean i don't want to sound too mean but that sounds like excuses to me <laughs> i just i i i would like movies to be movies on their own and like they can be part of like large a chapter and part of a larger story but i uh, i enjoy movies and appreciate movies more when they are able to tell a story divorced of that context and still be enjoyable and yet and like and have that added benefit but yes i mean like i i I, I think i tend to like yeah let me ask you this question like with this story being part of a larger marvel universe do you think they told a good story yes but and that's gonna be my argument right kind of to push back is that regardless of whether or not all the plot stuff makes like full sense with like the tesseract and the young nick fury and things like that um i think the arc that they told with carol and the themes of the movie and the idea of compassion is strength, mm-hmm. I think, make this movie work as a standalone film. Even if you don't understand what the Tesseract is, yeah. or you don't really understand who Fury is, or where this is all going to, I think the idea of Carol's arc in this film, and like coming into her own as a superhero, I think that works as a standalone film. It does. I think it still works as a standalone film. I guess I'm not talking about Captain Marvel like in general, but I'm just talking... I think like my... My reaction to a film Your being so embedded in Yeah, these are my qualms in general with a movie that feels like it's made to be a part of a larger thing and not made to be it is. in like on its own. So that's just my qualms in general with like I the movie making machine that is Marvel. I th- and how Mar- is, Captain I Marvel Marvel's is part of that. Marvel's doing something different here. And I think that it's definitely an experiment. But you guys there get what I'm saying, right? I do. I do. I do. I do. This is just like my reaction against it. This is sort of like I'm actually using the argument that you guys were telling when with your qualms against Infinity War. Mm. But I'm using it in terms of like this is its own thing. Yeah. Like all these movies are part of this larger beast that we don't know. I mean, we know it works because they've been making 20 plus movies now. But also that we are sort of have to to um evaluate the problems of the, the the larger film which it could be that like if you know if you haven't seen every single movie are you going to get everything that comes out of this movie um and that is that's a valid question but i also think that it's sort of i don't want to like i i think that what marvel's doing here is something so wholly unique to motion pictures in terms of its storytelling that it's sort of like i don't even know if I don't want to say we just hand wave these problems away, mm. but I think there are there are legitimate questions to ask. Like the you know Patrick H. Willems is a YouTuber who has this great this three part series about the limitations of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and one of the things he brings up is that Tony's relationship with Pepper is all off screen mm. because you you're not seeing the single issues between the main events. Um, that all the main events are the Marvel movies, and the what the single issues don't exist. They are the backstory to the next Marvel movie. Um, so you you see Tony and Pepper being all great in like Avengers, and then suddenly by a civil war they're broken up, 
I hate and then that. back together get by, and then back together again by uh, homecoming, and then about to get married in Infinity War, but we that's literally all off screen, and so like that's yeah. a huge problem with the MCU. Is like yeah. Pepper was fully for fully developed off camera, and that could be a problem with the fact that Gwyneth Paltrow doesn't really want to act anymore, but they still bring her into these movies, and so you just sort of have to write her character and write Tony's relationship with her character. Uh, all off screen, which is a problem. I don't. I, I don't. I, I totally, wholly agree that there are problems with the Marvel Cinematic Universe, but I also think that they're trying to do something differently, and I think that they should be given points for that. Mm. But I also think that they need to do better at it. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, sorry for derailing the conversation. No, I mean, you didn't. That's no, a it's good, a conversation good... that we need to have. Yeah. Yeah, about this movie. That's what yeah. this episode is all about. Um, real quick, I know we're kind of going a little long here, guys, so bear with us, but. I did want to touch a little bit on themes. We've been talking about them throughout the episode, but I just wanted to touch real quick um, on, we've mentioned before, like emotions are not weakness Mm -hmm. and the idea of compassion as strength. Um, And for me, this really hit home in this movie because of, of when it was set because of the nineties, you know, I look back on the nineties and the idea of girl power then, and it was great. But as I got older, I realized that the 90s really limited our, like, image of feminism. Mm -hmm. Because 90s women and the idea of girl power was girl power equals physical strength. Yeah. You look at the characters like Buffy, Xena, Mulan, all badass characters in their own right. But they were all kind of defined by the fact that they could hold their own in a physical fight. Mm -hmm. And that was kind of what the 90s was for girl power. And I realized that that is a great version of girl power, but not the only version of girl power. And that characters who do find, you know, characters like a Sansa Stark versus an Arya Stark. Like, Sansa is just as strong as her sister, even though she doesn't wield a sword. And so the fact that this movie is set in the 90s and that Carol is incredibly powerful, but that, honestly, her strongest moments come in her compassion for people, in her relationship with Maria and Monica, and the fact that even if she doesn't really remember them, she still has this bond with Monica specifically, and, like, calling her Captain Trouble and that relationship. Her immediate compassion for the Skrulls as refugees and what they've been through. And so the idea that, you know, tying back to the very beginning of the film where Jude Law is telling her, you know, your emotions make you weak... But in fact, it is her emotions which drive her at the end to do the right thing and to call upon that strength inside her. And so I just really appreciated that as a theme in this movie um, and as a discussion of kind of the larger cultural context of the 90s mm-hmm. and how women were viewed then. Um, and that Carol shows that women can embody all of these things at once, like being strong doesn't mean you have to be emotionless and being emotional doesn't mean you have to be weak. Right. I also want to talk a little bit about the themes of military in, um, in this movie. I remember when uh, Captain Marvel first came out, uh, people were criticizing the fact that it was, uh, I think sponsored or supported by the U S air force. And um, there were ads before it in the trailers. Yeah. And like that, this was kind of, kind of considered almost like military propaganda in a way, but that was actually the opposite. That's right. Yeah, it actually ends up being kind of the opposite, in fact, because um, the film ends up kind of arguing against just like militarization and uh, 
you know, um, military action, like, what was it, like military power, I guess? Yeah. Uh, overall. The, so, mili- the military industrial complex. Yes, essentially. And even though, like, the Air Force does, like, play a pivotal part in this film, is not quite to the extent that people were assuming and it actually they're not the heroes they're not the heroes like the film makes the argument that like the military are kind of the bad guys and that the these refugees are the victims of uh, a military um race of aliens who are using that power to conquer and subdue other races so it is interesting because it kind of turns back all of the messages of the U.S. And military it on itself. Yeah, and even though it's set in the 90s again, like, these themes, especially with refugees, military, oppression, things like that, like, mm-hmm. it is a very pressing movie for our times, mm-hmm. and I think they actually say some very interesting things um, and do some subtle commentary on what we are seeing in our yeah. own reality right now. And the military stuff I, think... I actually didn't pick up until later, so it's something that, yeah. like, it uh, adds to the experience. Yeah. The other thing is that I was going to say, uh, um, Iron Man and Iron Man 2 have heavy military presence, but nobody was commenting about that when, yeah. his, when those movies came out. Or at least it wasn't a part of the larger culture, the larger culture um, conversation that happened with Captain Marvel. Iron, I, I, I rewatched the um, – well, no. When Iron Man came out, I watched like all the behind-the-scenes stuff, and they were like – they filmed on a military set. They went to actual Andrews Air Force Air Base. Like, there's a lot of things here, or Edwards Air, whichever one was in the desert. Like, that was, they filmed at real military places. Um, and they had, like, real things with the military. And, and S.H.I.E.L.D.'s kind of a military, too. Like, I don't know. There's, I don't, I don't think, I think the criticisms are there, but I think they're a little, a, like, it's sort of awkward that the first female superhero for Marvel is also, like, dogged down by this criticism because I feel like but- Iron Man was there too okay but like this is really fascinating because i think that the mcu as an entire franchise as an entire entity has been anti-military from the start and so the idea of saying that thing this is pro-military is so baffling to me because iron man that whole movie is an argument against the military the whole point of iron man is tony stark realizing how corrupt organizations like the military are and what they do and how they abuse their power and him realizing that that's not okay. Like the MCU is not a pro military franchise at all. Even characters like Steve or Rhodey or Sam who were part of the military, the movie treats them very much just as individuals. Like Sam's work with veterans has nothing to do with the military itself and propping them up. It has to do with people's, you know, PTSD and the trauma that they've been through by being soldiers, but it's not something to endorse the military. And every time the MCU has a chance to in- introduce a military-like organization, S.H.I.E.L.D. or what have you, they turn out to be the ones that get corrupt in the end and mm-hmm. become the bad guys. Like, the MCU has always been anti-military. Always. Yeah. Ah! Yeah. Yeah. Um... So there's that. Uh, I think we're. we're is, do we have anything else? Do, any final thoughts on Captain Marvel? I don't think so. I think we just need to give our scores. Yeah. So, guys, what would you rate Captain Marvel out of five stars? Anya, you go first. All right. Well, 
this conversation only made me love this film more and what it said. Um, and so with some problems that I will acknowledge are there, I'm going to give this <laughs> film a four out of five. Okay, four out of five. Will it be? Uh, four out of five. Uh, I'm going to give it a three out of five. Wait, hold on. That was wrong. Four plus we know how to do math here. 3.75, possibly? 4 plus 4 plus 3. Divided by 3. <laughs> Guys, we're, we've all been to college. 3.7. Cool. So that is what the Millennial Falcon gives Captain Marvel a 3.7 out of 5 stars. All right. Now, let's move on to the last segment of our episode. I really, 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 really like you. But I need to tell you something. Anya, this was our special Captain Marvel episode. Why don't you go first? What do you really like this week? Ooh, Ghost Cup. I really like what we do in the shadows. Oh. The new TV show on FX. Sorry, I was trying to come up with a fun, like, way to go into that, and I could just think of Taika Waititi holding up a cup in front of a mirror <laughs> in the original movie um, and calling it a ghost cup. <laughs> Willoughby, stop looking so disappointed in me. I'm not disappointed. I just, I just, I was sad that I didn't get it. This is the reversal <laughs> of what happened earlier. It is. Um, so this past week. On Wednesday, my birthday, FX aired the premiere of the new TV show, What We Do in the Shadows, based on the mockumentary film uh, by Taika Waititi and Jemaine Clement. And they are back for the TV show, uh, producing it in this first pilot. Taika uh, directed it and Jemaine Clement wrote it. And it is about a new set of vampires living in the modern day, except instead of being in Auckland, New Zealand, they are now on Staten Island and living together in their house, doing their things, living with their familiars, welcoming a really old, decrepit, bloodthirsty vampire into their home. Um, And like uh, Vulture had a great review about this and basically said, like, if you liked the movie, you will love the show. And that is so true because the show has so many familiar beats to the movies um, or to the movie, but the new characters are great. I'm excited to see how this works as a serialized TV show with like hours of storytelling with these characters rather than just like a two hour mockumentary comedy movie. I'm curious to see where that will go and how they will develop arcs with these characters and, you know, whether or not they will, try and do like emotional development and growth and the way relationships change and how this sensibility will turn out in a TV show. Because I feel like Taika Waititi, his sensibilities are perfect for a movie because the limited amount of time, like he doesn't necessarily always do like big emotional arcs, which I feel like it's going to be very interesting to see in a TV setting with, uh, a story and characters in comedy like this, but all that being Particularly said... Particularly with, like, a very dry sense of humor. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, but, that being said, the pilot was hysterical. I laughed out loud numerous times. 
I love these new characters, and I cannot wait to watch more. Um, I'm so excited about this show. All right. I can't wait to see. I need to check it out still. It's very good. The pilot is free on iTunes. That's how I watched it. Okay. I'm going to check it out then. And it's just a half hour, so. Oh, very short. Perfect. So, Willoughby, what is your really like this week? Um, I can't remember if I talked about it when it came out because I, I saw it when I was on vacation. Um, Aquaman. You did this talk about it. This movie rules. I love Aquaman. We didn't Aquaman. talk about it. Yes. It's so good. It's so gloriously it's dumb. It's a good movie. The Brian King is my favorite. He's a giant crab voiced by John Reese davies And he doesn't let up. He doesn't, he, 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 he doesn't forfeit his kingdom over to Orm. Orm. The Ocean Master. Orm. Orm. Um, yeah, no, this movie rules. <laughs> the, it's uh, so silly. It's it's so silly. There are, uh, like, objectively bad things about this movie. Like, the wigs and costuming are not great, especially for the women characters. Um, but I will say that everyone's having a lot of fun in this movie. Jason Momoa is great. Amber Heard is very good. Um, uh Nicole Kidman gets to be funny for the first time in like She's 15 great years. In this movie. She eats a fish. Oh yeah. She eats it's the fish. She's scared amazing. of the dog. It's very funny. Tamara Morrison is in this. I haven't seen him since uh, Attack of the Clones. He's always uh, he's always good. Um I guess he voiced Moana's dad when he wasn't singing because that was Christopher Jackson. He was in and Whale was Rider in too, Green right? Lantern. Sorry? He was in Whale Rider too. It's been ages since I saw that movie. Um the and then he was also uh, he was also the original Green Lantern that gave the ring to Ryan Reynolds, also starring Taika Waititi, by the way. Um, All so, coming full circle. Yeah, Taika. Oh yeah, HT Taika Waititi played Ryan Reynolds' best friend in the movie Green Lantern, which came out. Eight no years way! Ago. Are you kidding me? I did yep. not know that. Look I'm looking this up. That's ta- that's Taika Waititi. Oh my god. Yup. It's um, the most bonkers so, piece of casting ever. Yeah. The uh, and I think he's doing like an American accent too, so it doesn't look like Taika Waititi. He, 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 like as we know him now. Um, oh my god! So yeah, no, Aquaman is really good. It's really silly, and I think it's 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 ironically enough, it reminds me a lot of Tron Legacy. It's got a lot of color colors and synth background, and sort of like throws you into the deep end in the lore of it all. Like the fact there's a character there's a character at one point who's I think it was uh. King Narius of the Kingdom of Zebel, who says to Orm, the Ocean Master, you need four out of the seven kingdoms of the sea to become the Ocean Master. The trench and the desert are, and, and the land of the lost have not been seen forever. So you just need the Fisherman Kingdom and the Brine King to uh, become the Ocean Master. And I'm like, I am here for this mythology, this lore of it all. Like, the fact that there are rules to becoming Ocean Master sort of says it all about what this movie is doing. Um, it's very good. Um, they ride seahorses. I want to ride one. There's they a look dragon. Really good. Uh, it's great. Voiced by... There's a Kraken character voiced by Julie Andrews. Like, there's a lot going it's on. It's so this much. So crazy. It's so great. Like, I, think about it, I love Aquaman. Guys, think about it this way. There was a Mary Poppins movie that came out at the same time, and she was not in that film. She was in Aquaman. Julie Andrews is like, Mary Poppins? Nah, I'm going to be a racist dragon or kraken, whatever she Amazing. was. Amazing. Yeah. No, it's a very good movie, um, and everybody should watch it. It's silly. If you, like, didn't like any, like, Justice League or Batman versus Superman, it is not like these movies. It's a complete, like, 
it's in the same universe barely um and it's like its own thing it's very good if you're like if you were hesitant about watching aquaman because of the previous dceu movies uh besides wonder woman like this will change your mind like i'm glad they're kind of going in this like uh separate but separate like but different type of like uh, universes where like shazam looks like its own thing but it's it looks like it's still set in dceu but it's a totally unique like thing in terms of like the tone of it all so i really like that i've been championing aquaman since like before it came out no one believed me Oh, yeah, because you saw the movie. You were you reviewed it. I reviewed it, and film. I was like, this movie is great. And everyone's like, sure. <laughs> Whatever. Everyone's everyone's on board now. I'm happy. It rules. It rules. There's a lot of rules in it, and it rules. Mm-hmm. So, um, I really like this week. It's also kind of an oldie, but I want to get back to it because I finally finished Kingdom Hearts 3. Yes! It's taken me a while um, because I've been busy, okay, guys? I only played in, like, three or four, like, long sessions because um turns out Kingdom Hearts 3 is really short. Uh, but I'm so – I'm in major Kingdom Hearts withdrawal now, guys. I don't know what to do. All I've been doing is going on Kingdom Hearts Reddit threads and forums and watching meme videos about Kingdom Hearts and watching gameplay uh-huh. videos. I am oh, no, sad, OG. guys. Oh, you know what I would recommend? This is what I do after every time I watch something like fandom based. Go to YouTube and type in Kingdom Hearts as Vines. I'm sure you'll get a kick. Oh, out I already of watched it. those. Oh yes. yes. Good. Amazing. I already watched all of them, Willoughby. <laughs> this is the problem. She's gone through but everything. Like the, now. I tweeted about this recently, but I was um I was hanging out with Mike the on yesterday and uh i wanted to show him something on my phone i pulled up safari and already on safari was the kingdom hearts reddit thread and i'm like oops now you know what i was looking at just now deep deep Mm -hmm. in this hole i'm very deep anyways i i love kingdom hearts guys did you as as a whole game what did you think of kingdom hearts 3 so kingdom hearts 3 I will say, had a lot of pacing problems. Basically, the Disney worlds had nothing to do with the actual plot, and the actual plot only takes place in the last, like, two hours of the game. (laughs) Nothing nothing happens until the final world. (laughs) Really, nothing happens until the final world. And I had a lot of problems with that. I didn't, I just, I won't say I was disappointed. I was just, um, I guess, a little let down. But Mm -hmm. I still really enjoyed the overall experience of playing Kingdom Hearts. I still miss it. But um, I will say that, like, they could have, it felt like this game felt like it was more just wrapping up the Xehanort saga rather than being an actual game unto its own. But I yes, have a, my solution. It was more of the story. Yeah, the story was just kind of like, just like, oh, we're wrapping up these loose ends and here you go, fans. But I really did like that part when um, uh, Sora calls on the, the power of the Keyblade Wielders of the past and you see all of the usernames of people who played the Kingdom Hearts mobile game. And I thought that was really sweet and like such a great way to tie in all like the fans and make them a part Agreed. of the Kingdom Hearts games. And that was really cool. There were parts like I actually really liked the story like in the last in the final world. And I yes. liked when he like, you know, when Sora is like left without his friends and is like at his last on his last uh straw and everything and you see him in like the the final world and that sort of glassy sort of heavenly cerebral part and i like that a lot i was like wow this is cool this is like very metaphysical um for kingdom hearts so that part was awesome but i wish that donald duck shows up and he's cute (laughs) 
Yes, exactly. But um, I wish I wish that they could have paced it better. My solution, actually, for this, because I've been thinking about it recently, I actually wrote this down on my phone, is that they should have combined Kingdom Hearts Dream Drop Distance with Kingdom Hearts Three, because Dream Drop Distance mm-hmm. kind of has a like it has all the necessary exposition that you need to get into Kingdom Hearts Three, and like everything basically happens in Kingdom Hearts Dream Drop Distance, and then like it wraps up in three, and it really makes no sense to split the two of them up. So what should happen is that, you know, Kingdom Hearts Dream Drop Distance, which is the last game, came out in 2012, I think. Um, it should, Kingdom Hearts 3 should have started with uh, Riku and Sora taking the Mark of Mastery exam and going off in, you know, the real world, the real Disney worlds, not the sleeping worlds, to awaken the sleeping keyholes or whatever. But, you know, Sora ends up accidentally in the dream world and like we have those parallel timelines as you see in the in Dream Drop Distance. And it all kind of unfolds that way. Um, but uh, we have, like, the halfway point where, you know, Leonor's plan is revealed, and then everyone spits off to do their training stuff and then gather again for the final world. That makes sense, right? Doesn't that make sense? I think that would it be a longer game, or would you cut out Disney World? No, it would have been, been longer, but you would have, like, the Disney World at the, uh, actually be part of the plot. And, like, be part of, like, the Mark of Mastery exam. At the, also, at the I don't beginning. think fans are going to complain if the game is longer. <laughs> yeah. Because, like, Kingdom Hearts 2, you have, like, base, you have to go through, like, each of the worlds twice, basically. Twice. And, mm-hmm. like, that makes, like, I, w- I didn't mind that. I was like, that's what I expected to Neither. happen this time around. And you only go through it once, and, like, they're very short. And even, and then, like, Arendelle, you don't even, you're not even part of the story. You just watch Frozen happen there's, in front of you. Yeah, you just watch the, one, the movie. There's, there's, like, Tangled and Frozen are the and I I would say Pirates of the Caribbean you're like you're like going through the movies that they're in whereas you get like Big Hero 6 which takes and Toy Story and like those ones take place in Monsters Inc I should say take place like after the events of the film or the films and so like they're the, you could tell a more unique story with yeah. Sora and the characters yeah. whereas like literally you watch all of Let It Go in yeah. Kingdom Hearts 3 you watch yeah. the entire the entire the Let entire It Go thing. I will say the only I did love Tangled though just because I felt like as a world like as oh. like animation yeah. and like the video game developers like Corona was beautiful Corona and was I, my favorite world same I just had fun just exploring it so like mm. even though it was just Tangled the movie and like we didn't really do much um I just had so much fun, like, exploring Corona because it was so beautiful. Yeah. But, yeah, my my version of Kingdom Hearts 3, I think you would have gotten much more development from the characters, for example. Like, for Kyrie, when you have everyone, like, after Xehanort's plan is revealed, you have Kyrie and Lee, like, go off to train, maybe go through the Disney worlds again with Sora, who's been benched, while Riku and, and uh, Mickey go into the Realm of Darkness to find Aqua. And this time you have, like, a different party. Maybe you get to play as Kyrie. And, and train like that would have been so much better instead of having Agreed. her just like be another be there and then spoiler alert die so it's awkward yeah Tetsu, Tetsu Nomura has a has a problem with female characters yeah 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 but um, <laughs> I still love Kingdom Hearts three. It's still like the Kingdom Hearts franchise still holds a special place in my heart, and I still like I really did enjoy playing this game even though it was obscenely easy like even for, yeah. for me who doesn't play video games easy. i was like yes, this is way too easy i didn't even die once yeah no it's it's a lot easier than the past two kingdom Hearts, like the main mm-hmm. kingdom hearts games yeah um it's much easier which surprised me mm-hmm. um but yeah i agree um and i almost forgot we were still recording because we just started 
going yeah, on. Yeah, we're Hearts. on a tangent here, but that's okay. <laughs> Kingdom Hearts 3 is great. Um, um, yes, we should wrap it up. Yeah, let's, let's wrap, wrap it up. up. Um, so, friends, if you guys have any thoughts about any of what we've talked about today, including Captain Marvel, the military-industrial complex in the MCU, Aquaman, Kingdom Hearts, or what we do in the shadows, we are happy to go on tangents about all of these things so please come chat with us about them and where can they do that willoughby you can find us on facebook if you search for us there we're also on twitter at falcon podcast our blog is millennialfalconpodcast.wordpress.com you can rate review subscribe and listen to us on itunes google play and soundcloud and where can they find you guys on the internet you can find me at htrenbui on twitter you can find me at anya crittenton on twitter and you can find me at Willoughby Dobbs on Twitter. All right. Thanks for joining us, guys. Bye. Bye. Bye.